Today on Preach Impediment, we discuss self-control. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Today I have with me Ryan Goodwin. He is a preacher in the Memphis area at the East Shelby Church of Christ. He originally hails from Oregon and has preached in Oregon, Arkansas, Texas, Arizona, and several other places. He is the father of four beautiful children and the husband of a wonderful wife named Rebecca. Uh, he is an avid runner, as you will hear as we go through the podcast today, and that is what, of course, made me think of him uh, whenever it came to the topic of self-control. That type of exercise, that type of activity requires an enormous amount of physical self-control, and I thought he could use that experience to help us better understand what it would be like to have spiritual self-control as Christians. As I start all of these episodes, why don't you give us sort of a, a everyday man's definition of self-control? So I have, I have two Bible verses that I think give me a good idea of what self-control is. So the, the simple everyman's definition that I would take from these two verses that I'll read in, in just a sec is self-control is moving away from self-indulgence and toward godliness. And I think everybody, depending on where they're at in their maturity, their experience, their wisdom, their age, we may be at different places on that spectrum. Uh, Two verses that I use that I think really sum up the idea for me is, first in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. On the other hand, discipline yourself For the purpose of godliness. Now, in in the context, he talks about bodily discipline and what benefit that has, but I think his ultimate goal is we're moving toward godliness. We want to be more like God, and God is the ultimate example of self-control, self-discipline. So that's the positive side is discipline yourself as you move toward godliness. And then there's another verse, 2 Chronicles 28 and verse 19. It says, the Lord humbled the nation of Judah because of Ahaz, their king. For he had brought about a lack of restraint in Judah and was very unfaithful to the Lord. So that's the the negative side, right? That's the, the other end of that spectrum is if discipline is moving toward godliness, then the other direction would be moving away from godliness. It says they were very unfaithful to the Lord the inability to say no, the inability to control yourself 
and to control your impulses. So I, I hope that that's a clear enough explanation, but I think those two verses do a good job of showing kind of the, the opposite ends of that self-discipline spectrum. I think that's excellent to be able to basically look at where we're at on each extreme. Uh, what I find interesting Knowing you as well as I do and your love for running and how much running you do and how much time and energy and effort you put into being a good runner, uh, the, I like to use the Christian Standard Bible. And in 1 Timothy 4, 7, it says, train yourself in godliness. What would be the relationship between self-control and the concept of training yourself? Oh, that that's a great question. Uh, I, I think probably the first place that that somebody would go would be like 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think that's you know that's a passage of scripture that uh, a lot of runners use. <laughs> and if you know, you know, you and I have some mutual friends who are even more passionate about running than I am, and runners love to go to 1 Corinthians 9 because it does talk a little bit about that concept. He says in the New Testament 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? I run in such a way that I may win, or you run in such a way that you may win, right? It's the idea of running in such a way that you actually have purpose with what you're doing. You know, you're not just kind of running aimlessly. You're not just sort of wandering. Now, in your training, maybe you can get away with a little bit of wandering, but wandering in training tends to produce wandering in the race, laziness in training tends to produce laziness in a race. We tend to produce how we practice, right? The, the results tend to match the preparation. And if I'm showing self-restraint and self-control in various aspects of my life, I'm going to produce something that's more directed, that's more guided, I think that's more condensed, that's richer, and that's deeper. Instead of just wandering around through life. If I if I wander through my Bible study, for example, and I don't really have much purpose in my Bible study, I'm probably not going to get a whole lot out of it. If I, if I wander through a diet, right? Let's say I've made a New Year's resolution to lose some weight this year. And if I just kind of wander through a diet, just kind of make stuff up as I go, I'm probably not going to have many results. And if all of my training and running is just sort of on the fly, kind of doing what I feel like doing that day, then when it comes to the race, well, the result is going to match the preparation. And so run in such a way that you may win. Now, he goes back there in verse 25. This is 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. A person with self-control realizes that every area of their life is going to bleed into the other areas. Sometimes we think that life is like little Tupperware boxes, and we can have like, there's a Tupperware box with like the leftover chili, and we put the lid on it. And there's a Tupperware box with the leftover biscuits, and we put the lid on it. And, the, and life is like in these segmented little portions but I think that that's just not how life actually is. Like life tends to bleed, right? One area of life tends to bleed into the other. So when he says, we exercise self-control in all things, we realize that self-control in one area of life bleeds over into other areas of life, just as a lack of restraint in one area of life 
bleeds over into other areas of life as well. So he goes on and says in verses 26 and 27, by way of conclusion on that point, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet or I train my body and make it my slave, lest possibly, after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. The, the art of self-discipline is not specific to running or physical training uh, or cleanliness. We all gain benefits from some kind of self-discipline, however it is, writing, orderliness, cleanliness, physical discipline. So I go back to 1 Timothy 4. And that, that passage that I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I, I picked one phrase out of there in isolation just to define discipline, but if you look at the, the rest of the passage, this is actually confirming what you and I are both saying here. So he says in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. He says in verse 8, for bodily discipline does have a little profit, right? I mean, it is it is good to take care of your body, right? There, there's something to be said about eating the right things and getting some physical exercise, and right? Th- there is some profit to physical bodily discipline, but he contrasts that with what he says in verse 8, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance in verse 10, for it is for this that we labor and strive because we've fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. So prescribe and teach all of these things. And it's like we said earlier in our conversation that what is your goal? And if your goal is God, it is for this that we labor and strive for we have fixed our hope on the living God. So yes, bodily discipline has some purpose. Having a tidy house has some benefit. Having a healthy body has some benefit. Being physically fit has some benefit. But ultimately, when you practice self-control and self-discipline in your life, it is for the purpose of moving toward godliness because your ultimate goal is not to make a million dollars and your ultimate goal is not to look young and beautiful forever and your ultimate goal is not to be the most powerful person on earth and your ultimate goal is not a gold medal or a wreath right over your head that fades your ultimate goal is we have fixed our hope on the living god who is the savior of all men we started off the conversation talking about the the pendulum the you know the extremes that you've got on one extreme a people described as having a lack of restraint and on the other extreme you have this concept of of pursuing godliness training yourself in godliness Uh, i i would argue that most people are probably somewhere in between in most areas of their life Uh, ultimately we're going to have better control over certain things than other things you know, I might not be incredibly well controlled when it comes to my physical habit, but might have great control when it comes to my anger. You know, so I've, I've yeah. got two different uh, uh, levels of expertise there when it comes to self-control. How does somebody take practical steps from wherever they are in, in an area of life? So let's, let's say it's dealing with their anger 
or it could be somebody who's struggling with pornography, or it could be somebody who is struggling with seeking entertainment that they that's probably ungodly or unrighteous entertainment. How would you help somebody figure out what their next step is when it comes to developing a life of self-control? I would start with picking the right battles. Like if I'm if I'm really struggling with self-discipline, self-restraint, I need to start with winning a battle that that I can build on, right? Gaining a victory in my life that I can build on. So I, I tell people, a lot of times we look at our problems in life and they're really big. They're just these monolithic problems that just stand before us. Like I have a, an anger management problem. That's a big problem. That's a huge problem. Or I'm addicted to pornography. That's a huge problem. And it can seem incredibly daunting to say, I'm addicted to pornography and now I have to stop doing pornography and I have to stop looking and I have to go the rest of my life. And it's a such a daunting thing. Or, you know, in more practical terms, you know, somebody may look at, um, they may get a recommendation from their physician that they need to lose a certain amount of weight or, you know, they're going to face the onset of, uh, you know, physical conditions that are detrimental to them, right? And they may look at it as, I have to lose a certain amount of weight. And that's daunting. It's just huge. I, I, I can't comprehend it. So I recommend to people, find some little victory. Win something. Because victory tends to breed more victory. Success tends to breed more success. We gain self-confidence in any endeavor when we see that we can do something on a small scale. I'll go back to running. Just, just because I, I, and I, know, I don't know how many of your listeners are, are runners and how much they're going to identify with this. But I go back to running just because it's something that I do on a regular basis. If I have set a goal for myself... Right, let's just say I want to run my first marathon. And I, I have run multiple marathons, but I'm just saying hypothetically I want to run my first marathon. That's 26.2 miles. And trust me, that last 0.2 miles makes a huge difference. That's a huge 0.2 miles. <laughs> but that's a very daunting thing. And not everybody believes that they can run 26.2 miles. So how do you start? Well, why don't you start by running one mile? You know, can you run one mile? And once you've run one mile, that is a little victory. And you can build on that little victory. So maybe you can't run 26.2 miles right now today. But if you can go run one mile and be victorious in that thing, that gives you the confidence to say, well, maybe I can run two miles. And once I've run two miles, I've done that a couple of times, well, then why not push that to maybe I should run my first 5K, which is a little over three miles. Then you run your first 5K and you get yourself a nice little medal hanging on your wall and go, you know what? I can run a 5K. I'm like a real runner now. And so it's little victories. You build and build and build the self-confidence. Um, and so like take pornography, for example. I've counseled a lot of young men uh, and, and older men, actually. I think that's something we forget about, by the way. It's worth mentioning. Um, I've counseled a lot of men when it comes to pornography, and they, they act like it's so daunting. They say, I just don't know how I'm going to go the rest of my life. I, I've got 20, 30, 40, 50 years of life ahead of me, and this is such a big battle. How am I going to, how am I going to beat this thing and go the rest of my life having beaten it? I say, whoa, 
I'm not asking you to go the rest of your life. I'm asking you, can you not look at pornography for the next hour? Right? That's that is what I always start with. I say, is it is it possible, right? Can can you wrap your mind around I am not going to look at pornography for 1 hour? Can you do that? And once you've got through this 1 hour, say, can I go one more hour without looking? And once you've done that, you start saying, today, I am not going to look at pornography today. And I'm just going to worry about today. And wasn't there a really, really wise man at some point who said something about worry about today and stop worrying about tomorrow? Jesus made that statement there in Matthew chapter 6 about the anxieties that we show about tomorrow. And Jesus was very clear about that that you cannot worry about tomorrow. You have to worry about today. He says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just win something today. And then when you get to tomorrow, try to win something tomorrow. And eventually, you know, you'll look back on it. And I've, and as I've counseled people through things like pornography, you know, we'll go from session to session to session and they'll look back and they'll go, this is the first time in 10 years that I've been clean for 30 days. And then they'll look back a little bit later. They'll say, this is the, this is the first time in 10 years that I've been clean for three months. This is, the, they'll say things like, this is the first time, this is the first time since I was like 13 years old that I've gone six months without looking. So you just, you let one little victory on top of one victory and you just start stacking victories and don't beat yourself up when you fail, okay? Don't don't let a failure today derail all the good work that you've done up to this point, but just start stacking victories one on top of the other. There is power and a trend. Think about that as what you're talking about. You know, you start tracking victories. At first, it's all about the individual victory. You know, I made it an hour, I made it two, I made it a day. Eventually, you get 30 days in, now you're not just committed to winning the next victory, but you're committed to not ruining the larger victory yeah. you've already accomplished. And yep. there, there's just a lot of motivation that goes along with that. Uh, it reminds me of Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, And he's talking about those characteristics of maturity. To your faith, supply virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. I love the next one. To self-control, add perseverance. Or the English Standard Version says steadfastness. Uh, That idea of it's not any longer about the individual moment and controlling yourself for the now, but it becomes about making that control, that new way of thinking, that victory, a way of life. Another thing I would add is self-control is often found in, not in the things that you're, you're doing actively, but it's found in the things that you're denying yourself. And so be comfortable cutting stuff out of your life. Like learn to be okay with, I, I can look at social media less. Like I, I have to be okay with that concept that, that I, I can be okay looking at one hour less of social media today. I can be okay eating 500 calories less per day. 
I have to be okay with cutting someone out of my life who has always proven to be a bad influence and has, has never given me a reason to doubt that they're a bad influence. Like, so a lot of it is just learning to be okay with cutting stuff out. Proverbs 23 verses 19 through 21 says, Listen, my son, and be wise. Direct your heart in the way. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. And so there, there's just some people you got to cut out of your life. And you got to learn to be okay with knowing where the line is of who's, who is helping me and who is hindering me. And a second verse, Proverbs 25, verse 16, which is one of my absolute favorite Proverbs. I tell my kids this one all the time. Proverbs 25, verse 16. Have you found honey? Eat only what you need, lest you have it in excess and vomit it. Right, and so that that's not saying that honey is a bad thing. In fact, it's saying, hey, if you found honey, if you found a good thing, enjoy it. Right, just make sure that you eat only what you need because when you have too much, what happens to that honey? You ruin it. You, you vomit it up because you've had too much of it in excess, and now you never want to eat honey again. And then the third thing I wanted to add is learn to be comfortable with the subject of self-discipline. There's an example in the book of Acts that shows someone who was not comfortable with self-discipline. In Acts chapter 24, there's this man named Felix, who's a, he's a governor, he's a Roman governor. And the apostle Paul is talking to this guy named Felix in Acts chapter 24, verse 24, and it says he heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus, which didn't seem to offend Felix that much, right? Faith in Christ Jesus didn't seem to be a, a, a bothersome topic to Felix. But the next verse in verse 25 says, and as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, go away. And so faith in Christ Jesus didn't seem to bother Felix, but as soon as Paul moved to the subject of things like self-control, and I think to a Roman governor, probably living it up in Roman society, self-control must have been a very uncomfortable topic for him. He was not comfortable facing the subject of self-control. Don't be like Felix. Felix walked away. He said, I don't want to talk about self-control. I don't want people to tell me what to do. You have to turn around and face the subject of self-control and, and learn to be comfortable facing the uncomfortable. Thanks again for joining us on Preach Impediments. I hope that the episode today with Ryan Goodwin was helpful to you and that it did challenge you to develop a greater sense of self-control. Tune back in Thursday for a few more thoughts on such a great topic and a challenging topic for us as we live our everyday lives in the glory of God and for His honor. Until next time. <laughs>